Today on News 4 at 4, we're working for you. An inside look at the local COVID vaccine trial for kids. What children reported days after getting the shot and how it could impact the timeline of kids being vaccinated. Today at 4 p.m. on NBC4. Tonight, it's the Voice Live Rounds, and Nick Jonas wants his first win. Let's get this done. Who's got what it takes and whose dream ends here? Watch live and vote to save your faves. The Voice Live Rounds, tonight on NBC. Yeah, hip hop uh, and pop music is exists just to sell itself. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily exist to to, to to move the spirit and move the conversation forward, or, or, or to or to put you in touch with something you know, deeper in yourself. What up, world? This is Anthony Roberts, host of The Reality Is, where filter becomes extinct. And today's episode of The Reality Is is brought to you by Speaker. Listen to the world's trendiest podcast or create your own Speaker account by going to www.spreaker.com. That's Spreaker, not Speaker. I know I keep, you know, flipping, (laughs) messing up. But this episode is also brought to you by Take Action Apparel and Gear, the brainchild of actor Gabriel Silva, to stand up against bullying through fashion and accessories that let you be you. You can help or be a patron by visiting www.takeactiongear.com and purchase something to support the cause. On today's show, we have the American songwriter, blues singer, community leader, writer, and digital marketing and entrepreneur. I'm leaving off a whole lot of other uh, names for this young man, but the Reverend Sean Amos is on the podcast today. How you doing today? I'm great, brother. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I was surprised by this interview. Uh, My consultant, she got the email from your people and they told me about you and I did a little research about you and I was interested, first of all, because I grew up in a country town. So we had a lot of juke joints. We had a lot of blues spots. So to actually talk to another blues lover is amazing. So thank you. Uh, Where did you grow up? I grew up in Texarkana. I'm, it's East Texas. So I'm in like uh, Texas and I'm in, you know, deep south. But it's like four hours outside of Dallas. So that's like the closest major city. So the population yeah. was like maybe 15,000 when I was a kid. So we didn't really have clubs and lounges. We just had little juke joints and hole in the walls. Right on, man. So you, you know, you know how it goes. So you just released you know, more than me. Yeah. Teach me a thing. No, nah, I don't think I can teach you nothing, man. I was listening to some of your songs on the pod, before the podcast got going, and I was listening to your latest album, and I was like, I like it. I was listening to the message. Um, I went on YouTube and watched a couple of the videos, and I definitely enjoyed myself. I see you have a crowd and a following, and I think the love that I got from it was seeing multi different like different races in your clubs and in the at your uh, concerts which is a big thing to me because a lot yeah. of times when you go somewhere and you hear music it's you know it may be one genre and one group of yeah. people but not in your in your concerts so you have the uh no, we don't, we, go ahead i'm sorry no so we, we we don't we don't co-mingle as much as we need to so, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm happy that we get a lot of mixed crowds yeah so you had the Reverend Sean Amos breaks it down, um, inspired by freedom songs of the civil rights movement. Where did you find inf- uh, inspiration for this album? Yeah, I um, it, a couple things. One, just being on tour. You know, we we play over a hundred dates a year, and we travel around the country a lot. And, uh, I was traveling to the south, kind of you know, near you, but a little further south. Uh, in 2016, after the election, and I just realized that um, things felt different. You know, yeah. and, and I was uh, and I was taking I was taking that in, and at the same time. 
I uh, rediscovered a lot of old freedom songs from you know the 60s, uh, the Staple Singers and Nina Simone and the Freedom Singers and, and even some of the early 70s stuff from Curtis Mayfield. And so I was just sort of, you know, rediscovering old songs I liked and, and, and taking note of how I was feeling in this uh, different America that we're in right now. And, yeah. Uh, and, and the writing sort of you know flowed from there. So what what kind of music do you, if I was to get in your car right now, open up the passenger side car shotgun, and get in the car with you? What's what's in the CD player? Well, it's not a CD player. What, what's what's in the deck? <laughs> well, you know, you would find uh, you'd find Mavis Staples' new album. Uh, you would find uh, some old Joan Armour trading, a great uh, British singer songwriter. That makes it still around right now. Uh, you would find uh, what else would you find? You'd find some Chris Stapleton. Yeah. <laughs> You'd find some old Junior Wells. You'd find uh, 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 Ben Harper and Charlie Musselwhite's new album. Uh, you would you would find uh, Childish Gambino. Now see, that's the and I was about to. That's the first one you've said that I actually know. So I'm gonna have to go back and listen to the podcast and find these other people. The first person you said I forgot her name. Um, I think you said something about Mapleton. Mavis Stapleton. Uh, Mavis Staples. Mavis Staples. Yeah. Now I've heard. Yeah. I've heard about her. And the Childish Gambino, I do. It took me a while to kind of latch on to his music, but he's different. And I actually like it because it's not, you know, you hear so much hip hop and you hear so much of this and that and pop music. And it's it's just refreshing to hear music that has a substance to it, music that has, you know, it kind of taps into the subconscious mind where you, you know, it it causes you to think. That, that's what it would be out. I mean, that, that's what it should be about. I mean, that sort of was was the, a, a big part of the thinking behind the album that I made. I mean, I, I I'm sort of a you know I I am I'm in the music that is meant to do more than just sell music. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think a lot and I think a lot of modern music, particularly you know hip hop uh, and pop music, is exists just to sell itself. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily exist to, 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 to move the spirit and move the conversation forward or, or, or to or to put you in touch with something you know deeper in yourself. And and, and to me, you know, we were so wonderful about you know, a lot of artists from that era back in the sixties and seventies and guys like Charles Gambino who embody that and there's a great cat out of Oakland called Fantastic Nibirida who also embodies yeah. it is that, you know, they're, they're songs that are meant to um, you know, touch your heart and touch your mind, you know, first and foremost. And if it sells, you know, because of that, then, then great. But it, it doesn't exist just for, for reasons of commerce. Yeah. And I, I remember I was watching something the other day. I can't remember. It was like a little clip on Facebook and the guy was talking to another, uh, a woman and he was saying that you're attracting the type of guys that things that you watch, the music that you listen to. And I thought about that and I was like, that's so true because whatever energy, whatever music you're listening to, it gives you a type of energy. I know when I'm in the gym, if I'm listening to, you know, trap music or some kind of hip hop, it helps me push through my workout. If I want to fall in love or feel yeah, like I can fall in love again, I'm listening to some <laughs> blues or some Billie Holiday. I'm listening to, you know, some Nina Simone or some Bilal or some D'Angelo, something that makes me feel like a person, I would say. Cause I mean, there's no way to me you can listen to hip hop and actually feel like a whole person. You can't. Well, sometimes, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, you are what you eat, right? Exactly. And, and so, you know, I mean, anything we put into our bodies, whether it's you know through our mouths or you know in, in our ears, I mean, is going to affect us. And, and so, uh, you know, you, you want to have a, you know, I mean, there's room for all of it. You yeah. Know? I, I just think you want a, a balanced diet. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, man cannot live on Starburst alone or Skittles alone, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, and 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 man cannot live on. Uh, 
you know, uh, uh, Cardi B alone. You know, unless she's cool. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I think that, you know, there's room for all of it. <laughs> That's true. So, what made you pick uh, as a musician? What made you pick blues? You know, I, I I'd always been a, a lover of the blues and a student of it. Um, I actually came to it first through reading about it, and then. When I was in college, I went to film school in New York, and I would take my summers and my spring breaks, and I would drive down south and just discover, you know, Jackson, Mississippi, and Beale Street, Memphis, and all these sort of famous blues places. So I was into it as sort of a student of wanting to know more about um, my history, you know, wanting to know more about African American culture uh, and, and where we came from, and, and, the, and, and the contributions we made. Yeah. But I didn't play it. You know, I, I didn't really want to. I, I had no interest in playing it myself. I felt Honestly, you know, particularly the time when I was starting playing music, I felt like it was almost too expected. You yeah. know, if, if you're if you're a black musician, then you're gonna you know be soul or and be your hip hop or blues. And I and I wanted to forge into other musical areas. And so yeah. I sort of I, I, I went to a, a, I went to great lengths to avoid playing the blues actually. <laughs> um, but but there got to a point in my life where um, I actually got invited by some old uh, friends of mine to go to Italy and play blues because we knew I, you know, loved it and I knew I could put together a good sort of set lesson. So I said, hey, you know, we're going to go to Italy. Yeah. We got this gig. Come on over. You know, you can sing whatever you want to sing. And so that was the first time I ever uh, sang it myself and performed it. And I just, yeah, I, I fell in love, man. Yeah. You know, it was one of these things where I, it was the first time in my life where I felt so connected to like my past and, and, and like my past, my present, and my future all, all lined up. You know, I felt myself as being part of this great lineage, you know, and this great yeah. history and legacy. You know, and I felt really proud of, uh, I felt proud of being black, you know, yeah. in, 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 a, in a way that I had not, and maybe ever. And, and I felt uh, that that music, which I maybe previously thought was a relic and sort of a museum piece was, I realized it's really vital and it's really alive and it really uh, speaks in, in the present tense. Yeah. So um, it was like my own, my own sort of you know crossroads moment. And it's, <laughs> just, it's, uh, it's crazy how that happens, know. though. It's crazy how that happens. Going back to you yeah. saying like you felt like you felt more black then than ever because I think as a black man, especially, we always have that moment or black people. Period. We all. I feel like we all experience that moment where we're like, I'm proud to be black. No matter how hard the struggle yeah. is, how hard your life may be, how you may not get first chances, second chances, or third chances, it's still something about being a part of a culture who knows how to persevere, who knows how to turn the other cheek, who knows how to fight when it's time to fight, and who also knows how to create great music, great content, beauty, and just great culture. Yeah, man. I was talking to a friend of mine after uh, uh, Beyonce's you know, Beachella last week, <laughs> and uh, and she's saying, "I'm so proud to be black." <laughs> so it, 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 it still happens. Yeah, because you know? we we have so few. I mean, it's changing slowly now, but yeah. you know, there's so few reflections of ourselves. Yeah. You know, and so um, and particularly when I was growing up, because I'm I'm a child of you know the the, the 80s. Yeah. So you know, when I was growing up, I mean, there were you know, it was, it was Michael Jackson. Lionel Richie and Prince. <laughs> that was like kind of like Steve. Was, you can't forget Stevie thing. Wonder though with the braids. Yeah, Steve, right? But <laughs> there, there, there was so few reflections. Got me. Yeah. And so to um, you have to sort of you know dig a little bit deeper to find out who we are. Yeah. You know, and, and, and to um and to get the whole story. And so uh, so the blues did that for me, man. And still does. I, I find performing it really um just you know connects me. To, to spirit and path in a way that nothing else does. And, you know, performing it now, I, I've never been 
there's no other music, man, that, that just universally is accepted. I mean, we, we play in front of, like, I'm calling you from New York right now. We're playing a place in the Upper East Side called Cafe Carlisle. And it's a very, like, you know, Richie yeah. Rich Club, Bobby Schultz played here and all these, like, you know, legendary jazz cats that played here. Yeah. And so we're playing for like a lot of, you know, well-to-do people. And man, they, they're shaking the booty and getting into it. And then, you know, <laughs> we'll play in, you know, Spain in front of a bunch of, you know, Spanish, you know, yeah. you know 20-somethings and they're digging in and we'll play in some, you know, downtown hipster club. I mean, it's like wherever you go with this music, it's love. it just works. Yeah. yeah. What What is, what it was it like uh, your first time playing over in Europe? I saw, you know, I saw a couple of things on your Instagram and I was reading up on you and I know you did a few tours in Europe. And what is it like to be in a yeah. whole nother country and still feel the love and the appreciation of the music that you're putting out? Man, because a lot of the, and not to cut you off, but a lot of these people have not even experienced your story. A lot of like uh, being with them being uh, white or Mexican or Italian, like they don't know what it is, you know, what it's like to be black. So you're kind of teaching them through your music. But, but yes, and 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 they and they want to learn, and they and they, in, in many respects, man, they know more about our history than we know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they 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 are. We go to Europe twice a year, and. Um, and, and the crowds over there, they just, they revere and love and cherish not just American culture, but certain pieces of it. I mean, particularly, you know, black American culture. Yeah. And, they, and it's not in a way, of, it's not in an ironic way, and it's not in a sort of, um, you know, like, you know, quietly making fun of it or something. I and mean, they, they genuinely appreciate and love uh, black American culture. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and in a way that we don't, they, they don't discard it. You know, I mean, it's, that's, Something about Europeans that I really love is, is that they just, um, you know, things don't have to be new and shiny to yeah. be appreciated. No, that's true. They, they really, they, they, they get the full, the full sort of 360 experience. And so we go over there and man, um, they're, they're with you from note one, man. They're just with you. Yeah. And, and, and they're very, um, they're just very loving. Yeah. You know, they're really loving. And, and you get that in pockets in America, but, yeah. you know, I mean, you get In you, pockets. You, 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 small you know, pockets. First, in skinny first, jeans. First of all, yeah. Yeah, and there's a self-consciousness, too. I think you know, a lot of Americans, like, you in clubs, you know, you, you, you show up and, you know, they got their arms crossed and they're sort of like, you know, can't impress me. You know? yeah, exactly. And, 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 uh, and there's sort of this, this sort of, like, it's like a self-consciousness. And yeah. most places we go to in Europe, they don't have that. You know, they're, they're, they are, they walk in with their hearts wide open, you know, yeah. from the get-go. So with, with you saying that and being here in America, do you live in America? I do. Okay. What do, you, what do you feel like with the racism that we have here and the things that continuously happen in the news, from your personal perspective, what do you feel like is one of the best ways we can combat racism? Because me personally, I feel like it, it will never go away because it's, some, it's a learned behavior. And just like anything else, like religion and stuff like that, it's hard to unlearn behaviors once you, you know, you get out on your own and you become an entering adulthood. What do you feel like from your perspective is something, you know, a way that we can combat racism to try to continue, you know, marching towards that mark that we're trying to, uh, you know, obtain to lessen racism and bring people together? I think the thing we're missing is empathy, man. Empathy. Yeah. You know, on, on both sides. And unfortunately, we've got, you know, someone in the White House who really, uh, you know, feeds upon, you know, the lack of empathy. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, I, I agree with you. It is a learned behavior. Um, but and it's, not like, it's not that you unlearn it. It's that you learn something else to put on top. True. Um, and, and, and so uh, and it can be done, but it takes will and it takes tremendous, uh, 
it, it takes tremendous self will It takes empathy from both sides. Yeah. We, we, we are, I, I fear that right now we're falling together into this trap of just you know, mutual you know, finger pointing and name calling and tribalization sure. and, and, um, and, and, and giving in to those basic, those baser instincts. Love is tough, man. Yes, you know, it man, is. Love is tough. In all you know, capacities. And, and, um, it is. And I've been looking, you know, watching a lot of, you know, Martin Luther King, 50th anniversary of his assassination. I've been revisiting a lot of the speeches and a lot of his story of life. And it, it, it's, it's radical, you know, to lead with love. I mean, that, that is some brave, radical stuff. Yeah, it uh, is. And, um, and I think that, uh, you know, we're leaning on the gun too much. And, and, um, all of us, and we're, yeah. and we're leaning on, 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 on villainizing too much. And so empathy is what's needed, man. The, the, there's a song on the album called uh, Hold Hands. And that's and, crazy. Uh, I was about to ask you about that. <laughs> when I wrote it, you know, I, I felt almost like, oh, man, is this like too cheap or too trite or too simplistic? But, you know, I mean, you think about, like, you know, the courage it takes to just reach out and, like, hold someone's hand yeah. who you don't agree with or, or, or you are maybe uh, – uh, somewhat, you know, fearful of, or 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 feel like it's, um, you know, not on your side. I mean, but we we just got we got to create some more empathy. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with the empathy, and it's it's crazy because I was thinking about when you said Martin Luther King, and I have more respect for his legacy after watching the movie Selma, and the reason. I have yeah. more respect for him is because he was strategic where a lot of times, you know, yeah. a lot of people who create marches and protests now, it's like they're marching and protesting, but I'm not in the rooms with them or in the dark when they're making these, you know, protests or bringing them together. But the thing that I loved about one part of it, when he was sitting down with his wife and it was a couple of guys who was like his right hand man and they gave him three to five places that they could go march at. And he, as he was talking, they were telling him, hey, this is the sheriff in this town. This is the sheriff in that town. And I think it may have been like in Biloxi, Mississippi or somewhere deep in the south. And he was like, I want that one. And they was like, he's the meanest, baddest sheriff in the south. And he was like, well, that's the one I want, because what we're trying to do is show America what's happening in the south and try to make people care about it. So he was strategic in doing and putting that together, knowing that he was going to get hosed, bit by dogs put in jail like I think a lot of times when we go protest we're not even expecting that and we're not even even though it's crazy no dogs are being sicked on people and you're not getting shot with water hoses you are still getting you know killed uh, in some instances mm-hmm. but it's it's crazy that he strategically put his life in harm's way to make sure that our generation could be better so oh yeah the, the marches were just one part of a larger strategy exactly great, um, documentary it's on HBO right now I hope it goes other places uh, but it's called uh, uh, Martin Luther King in the Wilderness it's about the last three years of his life mm-hmm. and just how man he was, he was ostracized and yeah. he started coming out against the Vietnam War like even his allies were up against him but I, I agree with you man I mean, there, there is um, you know, a lot of protest today is sort of more about fashion yeah. than it is about change very true um, and, but, you know, and I think that I mean, we need a lot more strategy we need a lot more people who are willing to, um, you know, dig in for the long haul. Cause I mean, he fought for 12 years, man. I mean, yeah. he hit from his first campaign to the day he died. 24 he to 36. 12 years, nonstop, 24 seven. At 24 years old, years. I still had a video game in my hand constantly. I wasn't even thinking yeah. about doing that kind of stuff. <laughs> so yeah. it shows you how mature so, he was and how serious he was about his, about what he was doing. Yeah, that's just it. It takes time, man. And that's, that's you know, I, I love social media, and I've benefited from it, and I'm a user of it. But at the same time, man, you know, we we have forgotten that uh, 
you know, not everything is instant. You know, these yeah. things take, these struggles uh, require patience, and vigilance, strategy, and, and, and commitment. And you can't just, you know, march with a bunch of your friends on one weekend so you can get, you know, some selfies and feel like you've made some change. Exactly. So what do you want, what do you want people and the listeners of this show to take from your music and the people who listen to your music, what, what do you think or what would you like for them to take away? Oh, that's a good question. I, um, you know, I, I, I'd like them to, what I want or, or sort of in the title of a lot of the songs, you know, I, I want them to come together and yeah. I want them to hold hands and I, and, and I want them to be moved, uh, to, to, you know, not only look at themselves, honestly, uh, but look at the person to the left and the right of them, honestly. Uh, and, and, and I want people, you know, one of the beautiful things about our show is because they're celebrations and, and there's, there's a bit of a revival element to it in a way. Um, but, you know, they're, they're meant to create joy because uh, I think when you, when, you, when you create joy, you have a window of opportunity to, um, you know, cause someone to look at someone differently than they might look at that person otherwise. You know? yeah. And so you know, if, if we can find some ways, yeah, I'm hoping people can come away with it wanting to, you know, step outside their comfort zone a little bit and uh, and, and make themselves a little vulnerable. Yeah. Uh, vulnerable for joy, you know, vulnerable for pain, you know, vulnerable for change. Yeah. Uh, so um, I'm, I'm doing, I hope the music in, in some small way, you know, contributes to that. Well, I listened to a lot of it this morning as I was making out the content for us to discuss. And I definitely, like I said, I think if you listen with your ears and your heart, and not just your ears, you'll be able to get that message. Cause a lot of, when I was listening, like I, I chose hold hands, um, for the question I have for you today in reference to your music, because like you said, the message in there was about empathy. It was about understanding. It was about changing, you know, the past today and, you know, kind of picking up that torch, if you will, and continuing to carry it. Now I did want to talk about the thing that I discovered this morning when I was reading it, you know, I didn't want, I told you when I interview people, I like to focus on them, but because I love these cookies as a kid growing up in my first experience <laughs> with these cookies, when I was growing up, I never forget. I was in middle school. I, I got a pack of those yeah. cookies. Cause I really was never a chocolate chip cookie fan, but I grew up poor and those cookies were like 25 cents at school. So I bought the cookies. First, first of all, when I opened the bag up, I ate the first mm. one and I was like, you know, normally you have chocolate chip cookies. They're soft. And I was like, ah, these, ah, I'm not sure. And I bit into it. Yeah, Look at her, man. Look at her. With all the crumbs, <laughs> I ate all, like, like my, like my ex-girlfriend, she always used to be like, she loves crispy things. I used to, couldn't wait to get to the bottom of the bag when it unshifted to the right and the cra the crumbs are in the corner of the bag and you can just tilt it up at a 90 degree angle and you in good, you in heaven, man. So you are the son. <laughs> so you're the son for everybody who may not know. You're the son of the Wally famous Amos, the chocolate chip cookies um, growing up. What was it like um, experiencing that? Um, I, I'm, I, I'm lost for words, but what was it like experiencing that? Like somebody who to me, I would say is famous, who who had who has left a legacy behind. What was it like growing up around that with that being your father? Yeah, I mean, um well, I'm glad you judge the cookies. That, that, that's one of the best descriptions I've had. I think of him and his, and his life and legacy, it, it, you know, the famous Amos piece is, is only part of it. Correct. You know, um, he, 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 was, uh, he was in the music business before he started Famous Amos. He was uh, an agent at the William Morris Agency, which was a big talent agency. And he was the first black agent in the business. Exactly. Uh, I read that. Still, he, 
and even today, there's very few, you know, uh, black uh, talent agents in, in that industry. In, in that industry, um, and he booked all the Motown acts and Solomon Burke and, and some of the Bush Invasion bands, and then he became a talent manager. And uh, and so, uh, and even with, you know, with the famous Amos thing, I mean, there, there were very few you know, successful black entrepreneurs. Uh, and, and so, I sort of view him uh, as um, you know a, a real um, a real uh, you know, a man who broke down a lot of barriers. Yeah. Right? Um, and, and the same, same thing, it's sort of one chapter in that story. Uh, it was a fun way to grow up, man. You yeah. know, it was, um, it was, it was the late seventies when he started famous famous. You know, I, I was a kid. I used to stand up on milk crates and work the cash register in front of the <laughs> store. Um, and, uh, and then make cookies in the back. And, you know, I, I had birthday parties where, you know, uh, we all made cookies. And so, yeah, it, it, but yeah, I wrote about this. I actually wrote a, a a memoir that was serialized on Huffington Post uh, called Cookies and Milk. And I, I wrote a lot about sort of the, the the weird juxtaposition of, you know, having this sort of, uh, you know, um, dad who made cookies, which are like the most sort of like, you know, homey, you know, kind of American thing. Yeah. But yet, you know, we had the store and we lived in Hollywood in the 70s, which is filled with hookers and drug dealers and, you know, and, and kind of a CD, you know, not CD, but kind of a, you know, a, a an alternative you know, <laughs> environment, and, and, and so you know it, it was it was an interesting way to grow up. It was it was it was non traditional in a lot of ways. Um, it was, uh, and, and I got to see him. You know, and, I, and as much as I, you know, and I, I, did, I, I got to see him. I guess in the way that other people did. You know, when, when you have a father, when you have a parent who's a celebrity, and it's really the bigger celebrities than my father, but. You know, you're sharing that person with a lot of other people. True. Um, and so, and, and that has, it's, uh, you know, that's a bit of a mixed bag. Yeah. But, uh, but all in all, I wouldn't trade it for the world, man. You know, it was a wonderful way to grow up and then and, and instilled in me, you know, a, a work ethic and, and, and a belief in myself and, and, and a belief that anything's possible. Yeah. I thought it was dope because, I, and I thought it was dope because when he, the way he got into the cookie business that I read, you can tell me if I'm wrong because I know can't trust the internet like you used to. But they talked about <laughs> so they talked about, so they talked about how when he was a talent agent, how he would reach out to these certain clients to you know work with them, and he would send a batch of cookies to them. And people yeah, he loved, said that was a manager. Huh? Yeah, he did that when he was a manager, not an agent. But yeah, that, okay. that, 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 that's largely true. That's largely true. He he basically take these cookies around and like meetings. He'd go to like a pitch meeting, or he'd go. On, into a recording studio or going to a sound stage or a movie set and he would just bring cookies with him because he made them at home for fun. And it was the 70s and everyone's high and had the munchies. It was a good time to show up with some cookies. He was the bag man. <laughs> so that was, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the cookie man. We got a friend we used to call that. He worked at one of the little stores in the mall, little cookie stores in the mall. We called him the cookie man. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, but yeah, he, was, he was like the power of advertising, man. He's like, it's one to one advertising. Yeah, yeah. Well, did you feel any? Yeah, but did did you feel any pressure? Um, you know, growing up to follow in his footsteps or do some of the things that he did? Because, no. like you said, you know, he was more than just you know famous Amos. You know, he had I think it was like Learn TV. He had a TV show for a little bit. Um, he did you know a lot of other things. So, did you ever? Well, I know you said no, but so you never felt any pressure in reference to you know just following in his footsteps. No, no I mean, I, I just you know, I, I. Never felt pressure at all. He never put any pressure upon me. He always wanted me to be happy and, and do, you know, what uh, what what I, what I felt I was good at doing. Yeah. I think, you know, what what it, what it really. I mean, being around him, 
and not only him, but you know, other people who he worked with. I mean, I, I got to see you know a real 360 view of entertainment. You know, yeah. so for, you know, my 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 childhood and my early adulthood it was not just about seeing people on the red carpet or you know on stage of a bunch of people. It was it was seeing people you know in, in the studio trying to figure it out. It was seeing you know managers and booking agents trying to figure out how to get this artist you know in front of people. It was it was publicists and. And, and designers figure out and making you know a, a CD or an album package that's gonna you know pop on a record shelf. So, yeah, yeah. I got a real sort of sense of you know you know to to succeed you know in anything, but particularly the arts. Yeah, you, know, you got to be really good at what you do for sure. Yeah. But you also have to surround yourself around people who are good at what they do, and you've got to uh, approach this thing like like a business. You yeah. know, I mean, there's moments where where you know divine inspiration comes in. Uh, and there's other moments where you guys sort of roll up your sleeves and, 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 and get to it. the work done. Yeah. And yeah. I, th- I think it's cr- And the reason I admire you after kind of reviewing everything, like I said, I had to research to find out that famous Amos was your dad. And the reason that's big to me, because I think it's important to pave your own way. I know when I was a kid, my mom has told me when I was born, she wanted to. Na- well, my dad wanted me to be a junior. Thank you, mama, for not naming me <laughs> or making me a junior, because I, you know, yeah. even if you're a junior, that person always kind of hangs over you. Oh, that's so-and-so son. Oh, that's sure. this and that. So I applaud you, man. Yeah. And I, I respect you for growing up in that kind of, you know, household of success and leadership, but to still be able to pave your own way in the blues and, you know, being philanthropic and things of that nature. So salute to you. And I want to ask you another question before we get ready to wrap it up. Uh, what's next yeah. for Sean Amos? And when are you coming to Dallas, man? You got a, you on tour? You coming down here? You know, I'm gonna be in Dallas soon. Uh, I, I don't have a gig plan. We 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 play in uh, in San Antonio a bit. We played in okay. Houston. We played in Austin. We've not played in Dallas yet. We are coming there. Okay. Uh, and okay. probably as early as July. So I don't. I, uh, to be announced. But I will. Uh, uh, we I definitely plan to be there and in Texas more. I mean, Texas has a great blues history. You know yeah. that. So, well, I was gonna um, say too. If I you come here, we time. we definitely would like you in the studio if you have time for that. And I'm, I'm definitely there. coming to a show as well. Oh man, you—it's a bet. It's a bet for sure. Um, so that for me, it's more touring, man. And this album is still relatively new. It just came out in February, uh, and you know I think uh, you know, the times aren't getting any easier, and the message is needed more than ever. So, Very true. you know, my mind right now is really just focused on you know, how to how to get in front of as much people as possible. You know, play the songs. Uh, you know, be present. And, and, uh, and be available for folks. And, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not thinking much beyond that at the moment. Do you mind if we use your music for our outro for this show? No, no. I just want to get the consent. I mean, we just got on iHeartRadio. We're trying to get on, you know, we, we in talks with Spotify. And I know one of the biggest things is they're like, hey, don't use this music. So I want to make sure we have it on wax that you're saying, hey, the reality is it is okay to use my music. The reality is, please use my music. <laughs> <laughs> most Thank definitely you for using my music. most definitely Grateful most definitely <laughs> well i definitely don't want to hold you up but give me one second i'm gonna read our uh call to action and then if you have a few seconds did you have something to say you got a question where they can find them on social okay <laughs> see that's why i have other people working here with me because I, I, yeah, i've gotten yeah. caught up in just interviewing you and but yeah where can people find you on social media and, and, and uh, get in contact with you if they want to follow your music or purchase your music we are everywhere on social at the Rev Amos, T H E R E V A M O S, and uh, our uh, own website is seanamos.com, dot com, S H A W N A M O S dot com. 
All right. And listeners, you should definitely follow him, man, and check out the music. You will not. If you are a conscious person and aware of your surroundings and you actually want change, that's in his music. Uh, be sure to keep up with all things The Reality Is by going to www.therealityis.com. That's T-H-A, therealityis.com. Also follow us at The Reality Is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can listen to previous podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Spreaker, and we've just been added to iHeartRadio, Sonos, Amazon, and more. <clears throat> if you would like to, I'm sorry, you gave me this look, and I was like, can I be talking about this right now? Okay, my consultant is in my ear. If you would like to be a guest on the podcast, be sure to email us at info at the reality is last but not least, be sure to leave us a rating or review on whatever platform you listen to the podcast on. We do not care if it's a good review. We do not care if it's a bad review. We just want to hear from you again. Mr. Amos stay on the line after we hang up, but I want to say thank you for coming and calling in on the podcast. I know you're busy with your schedule in New York and your own tour, but we do appreciate your time and we do not take that for granted. Appreciate you. I'm glad you're out there doing what you're doing, man. We need, we need more of it. Not a problem. Well, you guys always remember to inhale courage to excel success, and we'll check you guys on next week. Well, I sleep every night with every single light on. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Today on News 4 at 4, we're working for you. An inside look at the local COVID vaccine trial for kids. What children reported days after getting the shot and how it could impact the timeline of kids being vaccinated. Today at 4 p.m. on NBC4. Tonight, it's the Voice Live Rounds, and Nick Jonas wants his first win. Let's get this done. Who's got what it takes and whose dream ends here? Watch live and vote to save your faves. The Voice Live Rounds, tonight on NBC.